You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, episode 126 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. And just like that rash on your hiney, we're back this week. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. We've got just James on the horn with us during the real talk with the Pimpcron, and we debate whether or not basing is worth doing. Does it really add anything to your model, and should you do it and waste your time on it? Him and I both have different opinions on that. Let's get into that. We also have a want that or want that not with the Nurgle Furnace, the... I'm not even going to listen... I'm not even going to try to remember what the name of that thing is, the... Whatever. Yeah, that, that furnace, Nurgle furnace. And then we have a, well, here's an idea, leaf litter basing. Since we're on the topic of basing, let's talk about a new basing product that I have discovered, and I love it. Finally, we have a letter from a Patreon patron named Fergie Fergalicious Ferguson, and he writes in saying that um, he has a couple things to say about the monopose models that we were discussing last week. So he has a couple things to add, and maybe it's not as bleak as we thought with all the new models becoming monopose. He suggests that maybe there's some hope for all of us as far as making custom models and things like that. So what have I been up to? Well, I played my Sylvaneth for the fifth game. So far, I was 0-4 and four with my Sylvaneth being tabled all four games. But I told you last week, I think I told you, I said, you know what, I'm getting a little better at this, I'm starting to play them a little better, I'm making better choices, I'm learning how to play them. So, believe it or not, I actually won this game this week, and um, to be honest, I don't remember the score, it wasn't like a total blowout, but anyway, it, it wasn't, um, it was a fairly close game, but I was playing my friend TJ, and he brought his Soul Blight again, that same list that I've been talking about with bitch-ass Niferata and... All that. Man, she is... I have always looked at her, and I was like, eh, she's not that great. I don't think I'm really going to even mess with Neferata. But damn if she isn't pretty good. I mean, her abilities are subtle, but they are definitely effective. Like, her minus one to hit, you know, in her aura, she gives everyone minus one to hit. Um, stuff like that. I mean, 15 inches or whatever it is is a pretty decent bubble. So, my Sylvaneth actually pulled off a win there, which was fan... Fantastic. And um, I'm telling you right now that I would still say, ignoring Alariel because she's like a given that she would be a good model, right? She's like 400 points or something. The Tree Lords and Tree Lord Ancients and the Spirit of Durthu are the powerhouses of Sylvaneth. The Tree Revenants, I'm pretty disappointed in. The Spite Revenants are just very meh. And the Dryads are surprisingly pretty good for a battle line. But the Tree Lord Ancient, man, that stomp, specifically the stomp that you can do at the um, beginning of the combat phase, where you just choose an enemy unit, and on a 4-up, they have to go last. And that is fantastic, because his um, Zombie Dragon, his Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, came in and charged my Kurnoth Hunters, and Spirit of Durthu, and Tree Revenants, all in one time. And, of course, he would have activated that first, but Durthu was like, uh-uh, and he stomped the ground, and the, vamp the zombie dragon is like, whoa! And I guess he forgot he could fly, because he was all like, oh crap, the ground is shaking, and, and he was really concerned, apparently. So he had to be activated last. And the Spirit of Durthu did like 18 unsafe damage on that thing in one turn. Spirit of Durthu, if played properly, if played properly, he gets two extra attacks if he's wholly within eight inches of a um, wildwood. So... He was getting the extra two attacks and all of that. And uh, he just, man, he tore up. But, obviously, that zombie dragon is no joke. He would have tore us a new one had he gone first. But luckily, that stomp saved our butt on so many occasions between my Tree Lord Ancient and my Spirit of Durthu. So I truly do feel like, unlike most of the other armies in Age of Sigmar, the Sylvaneth, just because it just so happens that their Tree Lord Ancients and Durthu are so good compared to the rest of the very, very disappointing army, I feel like they are auto-takes. If you, and I'm not even talking about being overly competitive or anything like that, I'm not, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about tournaments, because to be honest with you, I feel like you don't have any chance at a tournament with Sylvaneth, and I'm not even a competitive player. 
I'm just looking at it and I'm going, man, you you read the stats on this. I guess if you take a L'Oreal, you'll have a better chance. And uh, then I even looked at Drycha. A lot of people like Drycha. And pound for pound, she's the same points as a Tree Lord Ancient, but she does not, or it might be the same points as Durthu. But either way, she just doesn't have the damage output and she's got like two less wounds or something. She's just not as good as them. And with an army that you already have to worry about what is good and what isn't because most of the stuff is garbage, beautiful garbage. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love the Dryads and I love the Tree Revenants. The Tree Revenants, my goal was to play no Kurnoth Hunters and just play a ton of Tree Revenants because I like how they can pop up and down the board whenever they feel like it. And I really, really like that with the Waypipes. But unfortunately, they are not good with their single wound, five up save, two attacks. They're just, man, one damage. They're just not good, especially for their points. Dryads, on the other hand, I can definitely see myself taking two 30-man squads of Dryads every single game. And it's forcing me, essentially this is forcing me to play a bit more competitively because it's like I'm trying to you know, paint the Mona Lisa with a box of crayons. You're going to have to really try with those box of crayons to get the Mona Lisa. So anyway, it is, um, it's very fun to play, and I'm starting to figure them out. But boy, Sylvaneth is the army of trigonometry. You need to, like, if I want to summon a unit of dryads, right? It's like, okay, you have to summon the unit of dryads wholly within 12 inches of the caster and wholly within 1 inch of a Sylvaneth Wildwood and outside of nine inches from an enemy model. I'm like, what? Oh, I'm so Okay. I didn't make, I didn't take any notes. I'm sorry. I pull out my Texas instrument calculator. I'm starting to like do graphs and stuff. I don't even know why. And, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a mess. So what else have I been up to? I've been writing short stories set in the brutality realm, in the brutal realm. And, um, I'm thinking, that I will end up making an anthology of short stories with them. I'm just finished short story number five and uh, having a real blast with this. So that's exciting. Also, those of you who have not been um, been following me on Bell of Lost Souls, I the powers that be have mysteriously and without much warning, they have paused my column until the end of the month. So if you're looking for my articles they won't be there because they said that they are looking to go into a new direction for the 2021 and we shall see exactly what that is and why would they pause my column? Mm, don't know. Don't know if I crossed the bridge too far or not. Although admittedly, none of my stuff has been uh, very excitable lately, uh, inciting riots or anything like that. So uh, I don't really know what calls this because trust me, I have I have talked some serious trash about GW in the past. But to be honest with you, I mean they're they do a fairly good job now as far as the way they handle everything and and their models have always been beautiful. And I mean most of my problems I used to have, my burning problems with GW are for the most part they've been smoothed smoothed over. So um, so I don't know what I did this time, but we shall see if I will have an article at the end of January, because that's when he's going to tell me if I have an article. Unfortunately, I did not see the email until after I had written an article for this week, and I'm like, oh, I guess I don't get my article posted this week. Okay, I guess that's something. Um, I just spent two hours writing it, and uh, I, he had emailed me last week, but I didn't see it, so... Anyway, that's interesting. I have written three, 300 articles, more or less, by now. Probably 270 or something, because I haven't written every single week. But I've written, like, 50 to 51 weeks a year, basically, for the last six years. So, um, we shall see with that. But guess what? Guess what? They've got no power over this podcast. So, um, you know, we're still going to be doing this regardless. And... I don't know if I'll actually be going somewhere else or not. I don't know. It's been six years. I've had a lot to say in six years, but uh, I really enjoy the podcast. Writing the articles, eh, it's like once a month or once every two months, I actually find an article topic that really excites me, and I'm like, oh my god, i got to write about this. Other than that, it's kind of just a job I do for free every single week of the year. <laughs> so, Whatever. And the final thing I have to tell you is that I'm super stoked. I finally got my hands on a Marienburg landship. Does that mean does that ring a bell to you? Does that mean anything? 
It probably doesn't. It is a an Empire model from Forge World that has been discontinued for more than five years, probably ten years. The Marienburg Landship was a boat that they put on tractor wheels and gave it a steam engine in the back and put, like, um, granulated castle tower tops on it. And it's got a crow's nest and everything, and I've wanted this thing forever. And I uh, finally got it in the mail, so I am quite excited. And I'm probably going to proxy it as, like, two steam tanks or something. I'll pay 400 points for this thing and, and give it two cannons and all the abilities of steam tanks. Sure, why not? So uh, I have assembled it all, and I have primed it, and the resin was a real bitch, and uh, I'm probably going to start painting it tonight, believe it or not. So I'm very excited about this. This has been one of those dream models um, that you look for for a long time, and you finally get your hands on it. Just like the Star Drake that Leroy Jenkins got me. It's been one of those things that I had looked for for years, and I was like, I want to pull the trigger on this, but you know, it's one of those special things that you got to get at a special time, so... All right, well, I think I have rambled on long enough. So, um, you know, it did it did touch my heart, though, that I had multiple people. I had um, about four or five people now either message me or tell me on Facebook or whatever. They're like, hey, I went to Bill of All Souls and I looked for your article and it wasn't there. And uh, another guy was like, I've been refreshing the page all morning looking for your article. And I was like, hey, guys, you know what? I appreciate that. It's nice to be loved. Oh, damn, I almost forgot to thank all of my beautiful, sexy, well-groomed patrons. We're talking about Fergie, we're talking about Leroy Jenkins, and maybe some shade hanging out over there with Edward. Then we got Mike and Nate in the corner, and LT, plus we got old Grendel. Finally, we got Brendan, and then Mandy. Thank you all so much for supporting the Pimp Crown Warhammer podcast. And thank you to GameMat.eu for also supporting the podcast. And if you want 10% off your order, then that would be Event10. Use that code. Do it now, bitch. Alright, let's get on with the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, it's time for the Tesseract Mailbox, and today we have a Patreon patron writing in, old Fergalicious Fergie himself. He writes, Hey pimp, thought I'd offer my two cents on the latest real talk. When Monopo's models are discussed online, the general consensus is that GW now has the technology to make fancy, detailed models in cool poses with swirling capes, etc. But in order to do so, the models have to be more Monopo's. This is justification commonly used to defend them. I won't get into whether this is worth it or not, but I do have a good example of a modern kit that shows that you can have your cake and eat it. Presenting the Plague Marine kit. Now, compared to the pre-8th edition kits, these are definitely monopose, with the legs and back of each model fixed in place. However, there is still plenty of customization available, with each Marine having two different chest options and a plethora of different arms, weapons, and heads. Unfortunately, each each chest option only fits to one back option, but most can be encouraged into place with some filing, snipping, and green stuff. So we have a monopose kit, which can still produce a variety of different models. It's not true customization like the old kits, but it's a good halfway house. Plague Marines are well suited to such options, given how heavily mutated and individual they can be. I don't think different chest options would be as noticeable on plain boring marines. I've uh, I'm also heavily biased here being the massive Death Guard fanboy that I am. Of course, GW doesn't give us such options for free. A 7-man box of plague marines is 30 pounds compared to 35 pounds for 10 chaos marines. Keep up the good work with the podcast, Fergie. Well, first off, as always, thank you so much for supporting the show, Fergalicious, and thank you for writing in. I need these letters because people give me stuff to talk about in the Tesseract mailbox. Otherwise, you're going to listen to me for 20 minutes or so, and I'll just eat a bowl of macaroni and cheese, or uh, that's what I'll do. I'll do Pimpcron ASMR. If you don't know what that is, Google that on YouTube. Oh, that sounded like a... That sounded like an old man. Google that on YouTube. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting off topic here. <laughs> Search that on YouTube. <laughs> because ASMR is some... Uh, 
man, it's it's some cringy slash fascinating stuff. People like to listen to people like chewing up close and stuff. And you, yeah, it's you're either gonna have a huge rager or you're gonna be disgusted. I don't know which one it's gonna be for you. Um, anyway, <laughs> so. I had no idea about this because I don't play Plague Marines, so that sounds like an interesting halfway, just like you said. If they give you the backs and the legs together is one thing, and then they give you the upper half with different combinations, well, you know, honestly, the legs are rarely something that you customize anyway. So the legs are generally the legs, because in the past, even when it was the multi-pose, I think we called it last week, even when it was the multi-pose, it was usually two legs put together. It wasn't, you know, two legs that were separate and you glued them however you wanted. So think about the stock um, Space Marines or the stock Assault Marines or whatever. They're either in a running pose or a standing pose or whatever. The legs have always been together. And really, putting the back with the legs is kind of like, okay, whatever. It really doesn't matter either. You're really concerned more about the arms and the head and the weapon options and all that. So if that's still customizable, then I am happy with that that option. Um, I hope they do that with more things. I do know that with my Blades of Corn for Age of Sigmar, if you buy, oh man, I'm gonna get these wrong, these words wrong. These the Skull Reapers, I think it's the Skull Reapers, and the Wrathmongers are one set, uh, one box. And it will make five of one or five of the other. They use the same feet, but their upper torsos and arms are slightly different. So essentially what you can do with that, it is in a way kind of monopose. Because you can um, you can build one full set of, let's say you're going to do the Skull Reapers. You build five Skull Reapers. Well, then you've got the upper torso, arms, and heads left over from all of the Wrathmongers. Well, the common thing I see people do is they buy the really cheap um, Blood Warriors for, you know, like the easy build Blood Warriors for corn, and they will just cut those legs off from the Snap Fit models and use those legs to make the, the Wrathmongers. Because really, I mean, the, the legs are, are nothing special. They're boots and a knee pad and some armor. It's it's really basically the same thing. The only way they get you, and it was pretty clever, is they need a back piece for the Wrathmongers or the Skull Reapers. So if you did make one of them, you're going to have to green stuff or find a bit to cover the back of the other one if you make the other variant as well. But you can basically get double use out of it. And while that's not exactly what you're talking about with the whole monopose, multipose thing, it is in a way kind of the same because... It's not intended to be that way, but it's pretty easy to do a workaround, in other words. To be honest with you, I don't think I've bought any new kits of anything in quite some time. I mean, basically all my armies are established, so I have not been spending a whole lot of money on Warhammer. I'm trying to think of the last things I bought would be my Sylvaneth, and the Sylvaneth, you know, like the, the, the Tree Revenants or the Spite Revenants, they use the same legs, but then they have a different torso and head and arms. And once again, that's not really multi-pose, but it, it kind of is. Um, but, and the, the, like the tree lords and all of that, you can make several variants out of them using the same body frame. So I guess that would be along the same lines as what you're talking about, about monopose. You could, you could change things up pretty easily on any of them. It's interesting to realize that I have not really bought any new models. The other new models that I bought, and this was months ago, was I bought the new start collecting for Cast Space Marines, and I actually did customize those guys, because they were, obviously, what I just said with Just James last week, is that monopose irritate me when I've got five of the same exact pose in a big squad or something like that. So what I ended up doing was, <laughs> and this is, this is something we actually didn't even touch on on the episode, but those are all monopose as well, just like you're talking about, Fergie. They're all those cast space marines are monopose. But what I did was I assembled them, glued them completely together, and then cut them back apart. I know that seems like the long way around it, but a lot of times they get a, a little tricksy where it's like, oh, part of his back deltoid is part of the back piece, but his bicep is part of the front piece, or whatever. 
And um, something that can be very helpful in that, especially with Space Marines, maybe not organic things, but Space Marines, where they have clearly defined lines with their shoulder pads and all that, and their, their elbow joints, is you can buy, basically, at any hobby store, you can buy what's called a hobby knife. And it's basically like a dovetail saw or a what you'd call a back saw, because it has a spine on its back to keep it straight. And they're like 15 bucks. And what you're supposed to do, all you get is the blade in this little metal handle, but really that's all you need. They want you to like shove it on like a paintbrush handle or something like that. Um, but I don't, I don't feel that's necessary at all. And it has tiny, tiny, tiny little teeth, uh, fine teeth, almost as if it were a metal blade. And I don't know how it does on metal. I don't often have to cut metal with it, but it, um, it just cuts right through nice and clean with your models if especially if they're not organic and they're not going to show the cut line and uh, so that's also what I do which I'm shocked we did not cover last week but um, you can also always just glue everything together and then cut the arms off and things like that so um, but I uh, I customized all of my cast base marines because I, I swapped out like for instance the start collecting box comes with two greater possessed right well, I bought three start collecting boxes, <laughs> so I did not want six or th three sets of just two dudes. I did not want them all to look the same. So what I ended up doing was I cut, so I, I made two guys the way they were supposed to be, because obviously that's easy. Then I took like guy A's arm and guy B's arm and swapped them. So now guy A has one arm from A and one arm from B. B has one arm from A, one arm from B. And then I, for the third set, I ended up, oh, I gave one guy, uh, both of them have like a version of a claw. So I used both claws on one guy, even though they're slightly two different claws. And then I used the arm that doesn't go with the guy B, and then uh, for his third, for his second arm, I, I put tentacles or something from some other model kit. But I was able to make, and when you look at them, just because their arms and heads are swapped out, I put some different heads on them. Just because their arms and heads are swapped out, they look completely different. They do not look like six of the same two models. They Not at all. So you can definitely do that. Um, head swaps and arm swaps are very, very easy to pull off. And they can, as long as, like we said before... The real thing with changing something to make it look different is if you change its silhouette. If you change the outline of the model and how it would look like if you made it a shadow puppet, that is what matters. So even something as simple as taking an arm, because I think one of his claw arms was pointed down, I think. It was like bent and pointed down towards his crotch. And all I did was bend it up like he's saying, come here, buddy, that sort of thing. And uh, it, it, it worked beautifully. They all work great. And my um, cast space marines all look different and unique too. So it's just, if you're going to go that route, it's a little bit extra work because then you got to glue it all together and then cut it apart. But whatever. But to be honest with you, like you said, with the Death Guard models, apparently they've made that even slightly easier. And, you know, that's totally fine with me. People a lot of times are afraid to use green stuff to fill in gaps and things like that. Dude, once you paint the model... Unless you're painting some crazy... Okay, wait. Unless you're either painting something for a competition that's super awesome and can't have any defects, or you're priming with white like an idiot, then <laughs> then, <laughs> then uh, white naturally, un unless you're going to paint the model darker, white, if you're using contrast paints or whatever, white is going to show all of your little flaws. And that's why... Priming black is the best because, you know, if you want to cover up a flaw, just just don't dry brush very heavily over it. And all the shadows, it, it just gets lost in shadows. So anyway, thank you so much for writing in Fergie. And that is interesting to know that maybe they're going a new direction in things where they're slightly, they are monopose, but they're fairly easily converted. And if that's what they're doing, I would be thrilled because that is a good, happy medium and you're supporting both sides of the hobby. Thank you so much, Fergie. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for supporting the show. And you can write in at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron. Want that or want that not? 
Yo dog, it is time for Want That or Want That Not, and today I'm covering the Death Guard Miasmic Malignifier, because that is definitely two real words. Well, I guess Miasmic is. Shut up. Anyway, so this is a terrain feature for Death Guard. It's Death Death Guard-specific piece of terrain. It pumps toxic gases into the atmosphere, and it turns a planet into Grandfather Nurgle's garden. Well, isn't that delightful? Festooned with swaying plague sensors and tainted bells, miasmic malignifiers belch thick clouds of miasmal fumes. Do they only know that word? Fumes from their rusted chimneys. Sown like spores across target worlds, they are parasites that suck filth from the ground and latch themselves onto local infrastructure, polluting the world on every level. What? So like spores across target worlds, they are parasites that suck filth from the ground? Why would it suck filth from the ground if it's trying to pollute the environment? Seems like you'd want to put more filth on the ground, but it sucks filth, whatever. Spread your toxic presence across every world that your army comes to with the miasmic malignifiers. Made up of the main chimney and the smaller pox furnace, it's a great way to bring the blessings and curses of Nurgle to your tabletop. It's also designed to sit neatly atop the Sector Mechanicus Ferratonic Furnace, making a fully, I mean, a truly immense engine of corruption. Okay, so this model, it's, it's interesting looking. It's, uh, I'm looking at the price tag here, but if you look at it, it is essentially a furnace, and it's got some, in, in typical Death Guard fashion, it's got some armor, it's clearly made of metal, that sort of thing. There's spikes all over it. It looks like it would be somewhat hazardous to grab. Even the chimney has spikes in it. I mean, rows of spikes. Even the exhaust vent has spikes on it. Sometimes I wonder if we should be wearing, like, safety gloves or something when we, when we handle this stuff. But it's essentially a furnace, like we've already seen with the, what was a Blackstone Fortress Nurgle guys. The one guy had, like, a furnace for a belly. I don't know why... Nurgle has a fascination with furnaces, apparently, but he clearly does. So, this is a furnace on top of a furnace on top of a furnace. We've got a big smokestack, got a bunch of horns. Um, it's got a grate like you'd expect an old pot-bellied stove would have. And there's some fleshy bits, which I feel are the most important things, is uh, the actual fleshy bits. They've got some nasty-looking pox growing on this metal, and some, like, scab sort of things. Actually, no, they're not scabs, they're flies. And they've got flies on the, uh, the furnace, and, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say about this. They have essentially taken the idea of a furnace and nurgle it. And, to be honest with you, I think what they did is pretty effective. It's nothing that, like, really rustles my jimmies or anything, but... You can see some, like, fleshy stuff and hoses between these two furnaces, which is nice. And somehow these metal furnaces have, like, pimples. Or maybe they're flesh. But they look like they're cracked, so it looks like they're metal. But they've got, like, these pussy sores on them, which is pretty cool. And, of course, the Nurgle symbol with the three skulls. And these fleshy hoses that are dripping, oozing stuff. And all in all, I don't find this to be incredibly creative. I don't find it to be incredibly boring. It's a Nurgle-themed furnace. So if you like Nurgle, then you might want to buy it. If you don't, well, then there's really nothing for you. I don't foresee... Like, here's something that goes into my consideration. There's there's really three things um, that go into my consideration when I want that or want that not. Would the people... Would the target audience, the people that actually play Death Guard, would they be interested in this model? Yes, I think they would. It's an interesting enough. It's completely serviceable. It's suitable for what they want. It looks nurgly, whatever. Then, does the anybody that isn't the target audience, would, would you want to buy this just for a train piece or something like that? I don't believe you would. I This does not rustle any one of my three jimmies, and I don't see anything that is like super, whoa, standout-ish in this. And I don't one thing that kind of bothers me is, like I said, the the furnace appears to be metal, but then it's also got sores on it. They painted it in a fleshy color, but when you look at it, when the pipes come out of it, it's kind of like broken and cracked, which of course skin can crack. But to me, it's not super obvious. If this was obviously a flesh furnace, I would think this is way cooler. 
because I'm like, oh my god, that is pretty cool. They've actually got a skin, like an organic furnace. I mean, it doesn't make much sense logically, but... Um, but being that it's cracked, it makes me question whether or not it's metal just painted to be flesh or not. And in that case, why does metal have pockmarks or like blisters on them? I've got no idea about that. So if you're Death Guard, you do want it. If you don't play Death Guard, you don't want it because there's really nothing fascinating about it. Well, I don't play Death Guard, so really don't care for this one. I don't think in any way they've knocked this model out of the park. It's not terrible by any means. It's it's. It is a furnace covered in gunk, but that is not a very interesting topic. I mean, ultimately, they can only do so much with what they're given. If their boss says, hey, design me a rusty, gross furnace for Nurgle, they're going to go, okay, and this is probably what any of us would have came up with. So I'm not hating on them for that. It is not a bad model by any means. Just not super exciting. Now, then I'm like, well, you know what? Okay. This thing was 20 bucks. I might actually pick one up just for the sake of terrain. If it was 30, uh, I don't think so. Well, this motherfucker's $60. So uh, there is no way in hell I'm going to buy this thing. No way in hell. Uh, once again, not a terrible model, just kind of boring. It's like you're like, hey, buddy, uh, sculpt me a sword, and he sculpts you the most boring ass broadsword, completely straight. A straight across hilt that's, you know, just a bar, and it looks like a Lego sword, and you're like, oh, okay, well, technically, yes, you did what I asked. You sculpted me a sword, but it's just not very interesting. There's nothing special or unique about it. That's basically what this furnace is. Not terrible. They did a good job, but meh. As far as wanting me to buy it, no, no thanks. So that is a want that not for me, despite it not being a terrible model. Now, here's an idea. Hey, you know, we have not done a, well, here's an idea in quite some time, and I have a, well, here's an idea for you. We have been talking about basing, or at least we will be in this episode, and I wanted to mention something to you. You know, we always hear about static grass. We always hear about um, the little gravel, the pea gravel, and things like that. You always hear about that stuff. But I find that you so rarely hear about alternative ways to base your models. Now, of course, you can buy the pre-mated bases and all that, but I have stumbled upon, I have distumbled. That is a new word. It's kind of like bewildered, but it's distumbled. I just distumbled on this, and I love it. From Green Stuff World, I don't know where else other people sell it, but Green Stuff World sells a bunch of hobby stuff. You probably already know about them and all of that. Uh, but I, they have a really cool product for basing that I'm using on my Sylvaneth, and I'm loving every minute of it. So, have you ever thought about putting d dead, dried leaves on your models? And I'm not talking about just grabbing a leaf out of your yard and crumpling it up and putting it on the base. I mean, actually, I don't, I don't know how they do it, but actual, to scale, little, crumpled, dead leaves. Well... If you haven't, you probably should, because this is by far the easiest freaking basing material to use. It's pretty darn cheap, and it goes a long way, and it, it just looks fantastic. With my Sylvaneth, because they're tree people, obviously, I wanted to make sure that they looked like they were walking through the forest. I didn't want to use grass. I didn't want to use... I really wanted to be like, you know what? These are trees. And uh, I, I live in the woods. I love trees and the crunch of leaves and all that stuff. And I love fall. So this leaf litter stuff just came in the mail. And oh my God, it is it is tiny, tiny little shapes of leaves. And I'm not lying to you. They are, let me try and think of comparison. They are small enough that if your space marine had his hands outstretched, it could fit in probably his whole hand. Actually, probably a little less than the whole hand. It's not the length of his palm, because that would be super small. But it's also not the length of his fingertips to the bottom of his palm. It's like in between there, but unless you're going to have someone hold the leaf, that's, you know, that's really not going to be an issue for scale-wise, because you're just going to dump it on the base of his model. But the point is, if you wanted to do any, like, you know, ranger theme stuff, or you wanted to do, like, all camo, or, or some sort of forest anything... 
these leaves are just freaking fantastic. And they are so tiny. I've got no idea what they're made of. They appear to be real leaves. And they appear to be natural. I mean, I don't know if they are or not. I can't tell. But they appear to be natural. And I don't know what plant they get them from or whatever. But it is called leaf litter basing material. And it's not like leaf litter's copyright or anything. But they're the only company I've found that actually sells this leaf litter basing material. And I gotta tell you, my autumn-themed Sylvaneth crunching through an autumn forest on their base is freaking fantastic, and it completely lends to the um, the whole feel and theme of my autumn army that I'm doing anyway. So, if you want something that's very, very easy, if you want something that's very cheap, and if you want something that looks really cool, they have several different variations on this leaf litter. I actually got the natural color leaf litter. But they do have orange, they do have red, they do have... I don't know if they have green or not, I didn't look for that. But I just got the natural, which is basically a bunch of natural colors, like light tans and beiges and browns and, and things like that. I feel like that's more realistic. So, very, very excited about this. Maybe you're not as excited <laughs> about it as I am, but I gotta tell you, I am thrilled. So I can't wait to get this entire army based. Now, one thing though, is if you glue it like anything, the color of what's underneath of it is going to show through. So what I've done is I've taken Mornfang brown, and I've painted the entire base, even the rim, the entire base brown. And then you glue the leaves on it, and anything that doesn't get a leaf stuck to it is still brown underneath. It's totally fine. You don't have to cover the entire thing necessarily. But uh, anyway, I thought you might want to know that, and I was thrilled. So I will see you on the other side of this music break. Hey everybody, it's the Pimpcron, and today I've got a product that you did not know that you could not live without. That's right. Becoming a patron on Patreon for the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast is everything you've ever wanted. We guarantee that it will clean up your spills, make your whites whiter, teach your dog tricks, and take you to the edge and even clean up afterwards. That's right. It's everything you could ever want in a product ever. Just go to patreon.com slash and pledge your allegiance to the almighty Kron today. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Kron. Hey, it's Pimp Kron and Just James again, and we are here to discuss whether or not you should base your models. Does it matter? Don't and- do it. <laughs> So, Just James clearly does not like basing models. Why the hell don't you base your models, Just James? Anyone who's based their models is an idiot. That's true. That is true, but why are you so much smarter and don't base your models? It's because it doesn't represent the table that you're playing on. You might get lucky, and it does, if you're, you have volcanic whatever on your base, and then you're on a table, a mat that has volcanic whatever on it. Sure, good job. You found the one mat. <laughs> but now you're in the city and your models are all on uh, walking on a, a volcano. Where's that volcano at on the map? Hmm? You're just taking me out of the game right there. I I do have to agree with you that on that a little bit. That does kind of bother me, especially where people use like grass flock and then like you said volcanic in the city and they got grass and dirt all around them are flowers. I'm like, what the hell you taking? Like, it's like each person grabs like a couple, like a square yard of soil and they just run around and plant it down, stand on it. Well, it's like all the, the Harlequins or whatever else that comes with extra stuff on it. Are they carrying that with them? Yeah. Let me, hold on. I got to put this here so I can leap <laughs> over it. My podium. Like they carry little <laughs> podiums. Uh, yeah, especially, what about the bigger stuff? Like, that one assassin is, like, climbing up a wall or something? Isn't he running up a... Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a chunk of wall. He's, like, running off the side. There's the Vindicare, who's, like, hiding behind the post all the time. Yeah. That... He, somebody should put chains, like, over his shoulders and around the post. <laughs> like, he just drags it everywhere. <laughs> put him on a larger base and have, like, the ground, like, all scraped <laughs> behind the post. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> Um, so I used to be like you, I used to be super smart and didn't base any of my stuff, but I do find 
that models do look better with basing. I'm sorry to say it, but they do. Rather than just the plain black base, I, I feel like the model looks so much more finished when it's based. And I went for years and didn't base shit. Like, I was like, I remember having this conversation with Blickety Blam Steve, and he's like, well, you need, you need to base some of your models. And this is early. You might not even play it at the time um, when we had this conversation. But he's like, you need to base your Necrons or whatever army I had. And I was like, well, I don't like that for the same reason you just said. Like, what if they're in a different environment? That kind of does pull me out a little bit of it. And he's like, yeah, but they look so much finished. So you'll notice that like nine out of ten of my armies are just brown dirt bases. Uh -huh. I rarely put grass on them. I rarely make them snowy or anything like that. And I feel like that is my way of meeting halfway between like basing, basing and you, where it bothers you that there's grass, I feel like, well, pretty much anywhere has dirt. Even if I'm on a snow map, hey, they, they found this patch of dirt to stand on. <laughs> like, but I don't think I would ever use, I have never used, like, snowy bases. Even if it made sense for an army. Because I'm like, well, I, I don't like that. They're, they're not bringing the snow with them. I guess, technically, the ogres, ogre mall tribes, do, or, um... One of them. The Beast Claw Raiders. The Beast Claw Raiders really do bring the ice with them, right? They've got like an icy aura. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that would make sense. Or if you were, I mean, if you did like lava and you were doing demons maybe, like corn demons, I could see like lava bases where, you know, these demon incursion and they're like tearing up the ground as they go with energy or something. I don't know. I don't know about that, but... You know, I mean, you can, but the thing is, is when you take the one model or even a unit of models and they're all based the same, they look nice. Like, I, I feel like they look way more finished than just a black base. And I, I will fight you over it. Okay, I have a question for you. What if, all right, you got to base them all, but, oh, this, this model in this unit is gone grass. The other guy's on the street. The other guy is in <laughs> snow. Hmm? You going to complain to me now? Hey, I based them. Oh my God! Would you really do that with an army? Like, <laughs> I I think I might do that. <laughs> That's an out of spite basing. <laughs> yeah, I I totally get what you're saying, and and like I said off the air, I had bought clear bases. Where well, you said you, if you're gonna do them at all, you would just rip them off their black bases and buy clear like. Right, clear clear bases so that it represent. You can just look through the mat, uh, look through the base and see the mat, and it you're actually on that mat. Okay. I have one problem with the clear bases. The clear bases look nice and all of that, but, you know, it's hard to describe, but whenever you have that plastic, like, plexiglass, it looks clear through the thin part, but if you look at the edge, you it's, like, solid. You know, kind of like our, um, our, uh, Fearless Customs combat gauges, where it's, like, green and transparent, but if you look the thick way... The, the width way I don't, on its end when you look on its end it's a solid color and the i think partly the reason why i didn't use those clear bases i bought all those years ago is because yes when you're looking straight down on the base you can see which is which is how you normally play a game okay i get that but if you're at an angle and you can see the edge you've got these white circles around each one of your people and i'm like that doesn't that pulls me out just as much as snow on grass or whatever, having all these thick white circles around all your people. I really do wish they would make, and the reason why is because they're all laser cut, obviously, out of a sheet of plexiglass. They're all laser cut. But I really do wish that they would make, have you ever seen uh, those glass, like, flat bead things they, they sell at Michael's that they put in, like, uh, flower pots? Like game tokens, those glass bead things? No, uh, that are flat on one side. Yeah, yeah. It's like they were a ball and got melted down. Uh-huh. Um, if they would make clear bases like that, I think, you know, with, like, some some flatness to the top, but then, like, rounded edges. I think I've seen that. I think I've seen someone using that. As a base? Yeah. Mm, maybe, maybe someone makes them, because the only ones I've seen were laser cut, and they got that stupid bright white rim around them. But if they could do that, and the base was truly clear, then I would definitely use those. Because I, I do, deep down inside, I do agree with you about it not matching them. The mat really bothers me. And that's why almost all my armies are dirt. Because that's why. But 
That's what I did. Because my sister's a battle. I actually did paint them, and I did dirt as well. Oh, really? Yeah. But you didn't put gravel on, right? You just painted the base. I just painted it brown. Yeah. yeah. That's actually... I got lazy, and I did that with my Primaris Marines, my Celestial Lions. Their base is just gray. It's not brown. It's not. It's just, just gray. And I didn't put gravel on it. I didn't do anything. The problem is, is that sometimes when I base things, I've noticed this, and I don't know what the cause of it is, but I always use Elmer's glue. And there's like maybe a one in 10 chance that over, give it a year of just sitting there and the Elmer's glue will start to peel off the base. And you've got all this grass and gravel and all of that just like peeling off the base. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, how does glue just delaminate like that over time? And, um, Orc Dave used to say that he'd use super glue for his base and obviously, I'm assuming that wouldn't peel off, but super glue is way more expensive than Elmer's. And I don't like the idea of using super glue on basing because that's, I feel like that's a huge waste. And I mean, one little thing of super glue is like $7. It's, it's ridiculous. So, I guess so. Um, I'm trying to think of any army that I actually don't have dirt on. My uh, Stormcast and my Cities of Sigmar are on dirt and grass. I've got like splotches of grass and then also dirt. And I think all my other armies, my Celestial Lines are just gray. And my Necrons, I actually bought those fancy Necromunda bases for. The ones that look like a like a, a Mechanicus floor or whatever with like hoses and grates. Uh-huh. I bought those for my new Necrons. So other than that, all my stuff I think is all dirt. Which is... Kind of boring, but, oh no, my, my blades of corn actually have those blood rivers and the gray, the gray ground. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like that. I do. Uh, I do like it when they have, they come out with, uh, bases that Mm -hmm. are already molded. Like I did buy those, uh, uh, Imperium looks like that Imperium, uh, Matt, uh, battle boards that they came out with. Looks like they just cut holes in there. I bought that. You did? Yeah. Have you used them yet? Uh, they're on my Space Marines. Oh. Uh, so I've been slowly transferring them over to that. Yeah, because I was thinking another one would be nice to get, and I'm assuming they still offer it, is the um, the Age of Sigmar version of that, where it's like, I don't know if it's like a temple or what, but it's like all these like shattered tiles and stuff like that, and that looks pretty cool. But the problem is if you get into weird sized basing, they seem like they keep coming out with weirder and weirder shaped bases and sized bases like, oh, this oval is slightly larger than whatever. Then I, f- I find it you would have a hard time finding all the right bases. And then also, I don't think they sell them individually. You got to buy like the whole set and it comes with like 20, 25 millimeters and then like 540s and whatever. And you're like, well, that doesn't fit all my stuff. So I have a slight hard time with that but i knew at least my necrons i could buy 25 mil and 32 mil bases and i knew that everything would be fine um actually my stupid ass bought 25 mils for my necron warriors and then afterwards realized that now they're on 32s (laughs) so i have a bunch of 25 millimeter bases that i guess i'll use for brutality or something i don't know um now see that's another thing i just hit upon like for my brutality war bands you can tie some units together that don't look like they belong together by putting the same basing on them. And almost all my Brutality Warbands have some different basing. Sometimes I'll use like a flesh tone on on the, the basing uh-huh. to give it like a peachish color, like a weird color. But then when I set all five or six of those models together, they might be completely... One might be a cyborg, one might be a pixie, and one's a ghost. They don't even have the same army colors on their clothes. But I know they all go together, and they do. It does tie them in because they're all from the same basing, so that really does help a lot. Um, now Warhammer, that's not quite the same problem because you got massive armies. But I could definitely see sometimes you tie those in, or or for instance, if you wanted to go the route of something I did years ago. Remember, I started making that proxy Tau army with the quote unquote all the minor races of the galaxy got together and made a federation to fight all the major factions of 40k uh-huh. and it was going to be towel rules, but it was, you know, the other models that I made. 
Um, that would be another good thing to do would be you buy all these different models of different shapes and sizes and all that and put them all together. And yeah, they may not be dressed the same, but at least they'd have all the same base in it and you can tell it's the same exact army regardless. But I mean, that's also another pretty weird circumstance, but all in all, I think each model looks better and the unit looks better if they're completely, they're all based the same and they all, it's like, it's kind of like how I like armies to be all the same color, army, uh, army color, uh-huh. like even something that isn't necessarily like orcs, orcs don't have to be the same uniform color, but I like them to all match, you know? I tried, started, I started painting my grots different colors because I was like, oh, well, you know what? Screw it. They're orcs. They're crazy. And I started painting all my grots different colors and, you know, like purple and blue and red and yellow and red and blue and white and green and just paint them all different ones. And in the end, I did not like it at all. It looked like I had just bought already painted models from different lots on eBay. That's what it looked like. It didn't even look like they belonged together. And it, it really deterred me from even playing with them, honestly. I haven't played my Grotz in a long time, and I really feel I just need to repaint them as one army color. Mm. Even if you did, like, neutral colors of, like, browns, tans, you know, just, like, earthy colors, that's fine. But when you're doing all these wild colors, I had yellows and pinks, and it just looked like a clown car or a clown circus. So, anyway, so the... Conclusion to this is that you're stupid if you don't base your models, but you're an idiot if you do. Right. Okay. That makes sense, I guess. Uh, but you really should base your models, kids. Uh, you wouldn't want your children to see your models unbased, would you? Think about think about the children for just a minute. James doesn't care about the children. No. Fuck your kids. <laughs> <laughs> that was a threat, not a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> all right, well, I will see you all next week. Thank you for listening, and thank you to my beautiful Patreon patrons, and thank you to GameAt.eu for supporting the show.